This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And I'll tell you something, we went for it. We decided let's go for a podcast immediately after the game because we were going to keep our fingers crossed that the result would go right. We'll be absolutely jumping and everything will be all good. And it seems to have paid off. And, uh, well, I'm Billy Grant and I'm sitting here smiling in the virtual joint with my chums on a topsy-turvy night because there's all sorts of things that have gone upside down today and on the show and in the week and everything we're all over the place I'm all over the place but I don't really mind because Brentford have got three points in the bag and like I said to you Billy Grant here with me virtual chums in the virtual place having a virtual laugh I'm having a virtual beer and it's all good the Allard how are you? I'm, I'm good, Bill. Who said we can't concede a goal and still first and still win a game? Who said we can't do that? Most of us, actually, this season. That's a bit topsy-turvy. It's all topsy-turvy, isn't it? It's all over the place. We say, tell you something, here you go, have a goal, and then we'll win anyway. And that's exactly what we did. Um, I quite enjoyed tonight, sort of thing. Well, say sort of thing. I did quite enjoy tonight. Did you? Um, I, yes, I I was like the first goal was a bit annoying, wasn't it? Because it was that it was like we see the same goal now almost in every game, um, and that was a bit that that's starting to get a bit tedious, shall shall we say? Um, apart from that, um, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I think 15, 20 minutes into the first half, I kind of knew we were going to at least score at least one, and I was sort of thinking, well, a draw wouldn't be an absolute disaster. Um, but um, and once we scored, and then the second half, it just yeah, I mean, we had that game one, didn't we? Absolutely, we did do as well. And so, listen, I've also got another chum in the house. It's gone all over the place, topsy-turvy, upside down. We've got people who feature and they're coming on and then and we've got our, our regular podcast people in the house and then we just thought, tell you something, let's just turn it on its head. We've got in the house here this time, Will, the spreadsheet winker. He's actually in the virtual joint. Will, how does it feel? Oh, it feels very strange. I, I'm used to recording my, my segment alone with just me in my room, but I'm now here with two other people so it's good to be here 
which is something and also it's good good for you to be here as well and so tell you something you have also virtually sort of kind of transposed us back to, to student days because we're looking at your wall there will and there's yeah. all sorts going on there like you know you're in your you're in your bedroom we can see the bed in the corner there we can see all sorts of posters like you know what i'm saying and uh you're definitely you know sort of i'm surprised there's not a guitar sort of hanging up in the wall somewhere as well somebody sort of throwing up in the corner i'm a bit disappointed mate the guitar's around the corner unfortunately you can't you can't see you can't see my bases but uh yeah they'll they hopefully won't be anyone throwing up in this podcast anyway <laughs> fingers crossed but anyway this is something you obviously enjoyed yourself this evening um you know between sort of quarter to quarter to eight and sort of half past nine did you yeah it was it was a good game I like like the allied I was a bit I was a bit frustrated when the first goal went in I was sort of thinking oh god you know 19 games unbeaten and then we lose one nil to bloody Bristol City but yeah, it was. It was. It, I was pretty relaxed in, from the second half onwards. Really, I thought. I thought we pretty much bossed it in the second half. Topsy turvy indeed. So anyway, like I said to you, this podcast is going to get even more topsy turvy because obviously, with Will the spreadsheet winker in the house here, we have to get somebody else in to do the stats. So we've got somebody else in coming in later. At absolute, tell you something. We thought Will was good, but this guy is an absolute stats expert. He knows everything. I mean, Will. Listen, you're just a baby compared to this guy. You know what I'm saying? So we're reeling them out. We've got them all. We've got JB with his funk. We've got all sorts of characters. We've got the the Borough Breakdown podcast as well. We've got Tom from that as well. So this is going to be a good podcast, as you can hear. I'm bumping. But listen, let's just hold on for a second. Let's have a little break. I've got my beer. Zero percent alcohol as well, because I'm just keeping myself level-headed. And then we'll come back and let's talk about Bristol City. So Brentford 3, Bristol City 2, a great result in the fact that we got another win. We are now 19 games unbeaten. As, as I said before, I mean, that is a pretty amazing record. The, the year that we actually went up from Division 1 to the Championship, we actually went 19 games unbeaten. So we were actually... We have we we have we've, we've we've equal that record, so we can go one better. He says as he touches wood here, because you know it can always go horribly wrong on Saturday against Borough. But also the thing that I find even more amazing is the fact that you know 19 games unbeaten is almost half a season. You know we're you know we're four games away from being half a season unbeaten, and that is pretty incredible. And like I said to you before, for me, as far as I'm concerned, I'm quite happy for us to keep on not losing, chisel away get a point here get three points there get a point there because as you can see the teams around us they, they, they'll they lose games against teams that you never think they're going to lose against I mean look at Bournemouth I mean I know they've just sat their manager today but they've been losing games against all sorts of teams like you know what I'm saying and then I think Norwich the other day they went out and they, they dropped some points as well I think they did was it Norwich dropped some points as well you know so what I'm trying to say to you is that I think we're doing alright and today's result okay we got a little bit of a heart flutter very early on that match when Bristol City scored that goal very early on typical goal again which the balls floated into the area bang bang not dealt with and then the back of the net but I love the way that we just didn't worry about it we just went about our business and we got the goals we needed and we got the victory we needed and then we let the goal at the end just to give us a heart flutter again but we got the result in the end I mean I was very happy with that the Allard you as happy as me yeah I, I agree with all of that to be honest Bill I think it's um, I think especially when you're actually in the top sort of two or three um, the unbeaten thing becomes you know quite more important I think sometimes when you're making up ground I know Laney makes this argument it does make sense that if you win two 
lose one, that's better than drawing three. I mean, it's four points better, clear, um, clearly. But like, you, at, at the moment, I think you're right. If we can just keep ploughing on and don't lose games, we've lost three games this season. That's remarkable compared to where we've been um, in all of our seasons in the Championship. Uh, listen, I mean, the winker. Uh, or Will, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you want to call you Winker, you call you Will, I mean, we can call you what you want. But listen, I mean, that game, I mean, we went behind very early on. Were you nervous at that stage? Um, I was, yeah, but I think that probably comes from watching Brentford over the last couple of years rather than watching us this year. Because last season it seemed like if we went behind, like we did, I think it was against Charlton, we were away at Charlton or something, we went behind and we had ample opportunities to, to at least draw level, if not win the game. We didn't flip and take them. And this season we seem to be able to come from behind and, and, and not just draw, but win. Because we did it against Cardiff, we've done it against Bristol City today. And it seems to me that we're a lot better at doing that this season. So I was worried, but thinking about it, I probably shouldn't have been. Why do you think that is? I mean, I'm interested. Why? Why? Because we were we were quite good at that. Sort of, was it two, three seasons ago? Where you go behind and we were like, we're not even worried. You know, you know, we go behind and we'd be, you know, we'd be two down. We've sort of like said, hey, that Millwall game, eight minutes to go, and we still come back and win three two. And we'd always be confident that Brentford would be this team that will battle all the way to the very end. And then that's kind of gone away a little bit. So, what is the difference this season? I think I think we're lacking. Well. Certainly in comparison to last year, we're lacking the X-factor of someone like Saeed who could magic a goal out of absolutely nothing from 40 yards out and just bang it in top bins. We haven't got a player quite like that this season. We're relying a little bit more on you know, Fosu crossing it perfectly into Ivan Toney. Um, and I think that, that that makes you a little bit more nervous because you've not got, you know, last year we think, oh, it's all right, you know, Syed will definitely score one or Oli will definitely score one. And it's not, not, quite, not quite the same this year, especially recently when Ivan's been going through a little bit of a goal drought before the Wiccan game. Yeah, I, 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 reckon, I reckon this season to, to carry on, I think this season we're maybe just, I think we're more clinical. I think we create better chances this season. I think with Saeed, um, with Ben Rama and with Watkins, we could afford to maybe not have to create the you know the perfect chances because both of them could score you know these goals out of nothing and stuff like that I think with Tony we know we have to deliver it to him and but if we do deliver it to him he scores and that and we seem to be doing that more I I reckon like last season and stuff when we just you know those seasons where we couldn't break teams down it was because we just weren't quite probably creating as golden opportunities as this and we didn't really have a finisher like Tony I mean that's true as well I mean I'm just looking at this as well we go to whoscored.com and looking at the top performers on that and it's interesting because all the five top performers are all Brentford players here we've got Sergi Canos at the top with 8.3 then Salmon Godos 7.7 Tariq Fosu is equal to Salmon Godos on 7.7 Ivan Tony 7.6 and then Rico Henry on 7.3 now Sergi Canos is interesting because obviously Sergi is he's, he's on a bit of a revival at the moment he had a he had a pretty um, sort of indifferent start to the season he's probably you know he's probably been kind to him you know and then but in the last month or so probably a month to six weeks he's really really come on and you can see what a difference it makes to the team when you've got a player like him playing like he is and creating the opportunities that they are and also sort of kind of taking on and shooting at goal because all of a sudden as you were saying one minute it's all about Ivan Tony, but next minute it's like you know I mean I spoke to you know I, um, I spoke to you know the, the, the borough um 
guys who's going to be talking on the podcast later and they mentioned you know Sergi Canos as well you know all of a sudden you know Bristol City they've always mentioned about Sergi Canos he could be a little bit dangerous he's somebody who comes up on other teams barometer as being somebody who is potentially dangerous and earlier on in the season there were, there were fans that you say Sergi Canos you know he hasn't quite reached where I thought he would do so in, a, in effect we don't think Brentford are going to be as dangerous as they can be compared to what they were like with Saeed Ben Raba but that has definitely flipped on its head hasn't it sorry Bill what's he, he's got 8.3 watts it's 8.3 out of 10 so you know this is this ah. is just this is just the scoring basically Sergi Canos was man of the match as far right, as they're concerned 8.3 is, is a good score it's a very very good yeah, score yeah. so um, Saeed Ben Raba used to get a few 10 out of 10s you know but normally you know we get players with sort of high 7s if you get eights, you know, you're doing all right. So, like I said to you, all our players were the top five, as far as they were concerned, best players on that pitch, with Sergi top, with Samin Goddison, Tariq Fosu, second uh, place. And I just thought, yes, you know, and that it reflects what they were doing on the pitch. Um, yeah, and I think that's kind of the, the way we saw the game. We, I, I'm not sure everyone saw Godos quite that way. Um, there was some sort of interesting chat going on about 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 him. Um, I, I, even on a on a on a, on a non-bizotted WhatsApp group, um, somebody said to me that Luke Daniels could do better um, in midfield than uh, Godos, and this was about two minutes before he scored. Yeah, but saying that, it was a good goal, though, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, it was a it, it was a brilliant goal, and obviously, I got a WhatsApp straight away saying, "Yeah, probably Luke Daniels couldn't have done that." <laughs> and the thing is that uh, this is the interesting thing about Saman Godos because actually, you know, forget about you know when he played for MEM beforehand and then he was injured and all. So beforehand, like I said, when he played for Osterson, which was uh, I think it's Potter's club, um, you know, the, the, the now Brighton manager, you know, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, that was a club that he, he managed and uh, Godos was playing for him then. And if you just check out his stats, he was banging in goals for fun, but he was, and I, I may, I, I, correct me wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was a striker. He was an out and out striker who was really dangerous. He was, uh, he was a player, you know, a target person, a person who couldn't, you know, who, was, who, who used to poach and get the ball. So he, th- that was, it's almost like that goal it was a good goal, you know, uh, but there's also, is it, is this bread and butter, wasn't it, Will? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think a lot of people expected Saman, for whatever reason, to directly replace Saeed Ben Rama. Um, and he's not the same player because I'm not sure anyone could directly replace Side. He, he was just that magic. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I'm really, really glad that he's finding his place in in, in the side now because he's he's had such a rough time. I mean, he's not really had he's not really had regular football for the last 18 months because he had this ridiculous kind of saga with Amiens over his transfer to them, and then he had his, had to have his gallbladder out or something ridiculous like that. So he's had a, he's had a load of rotten luck over the past couple of years. So I'm really really glad that he's he's starting to come good now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it feels to me like he's almost sort of he's he's probably having to learn a new system. Um, he's he's living in a different country. He's um, you know, and he's possibly playing the position he's not really playing in before. I don't think any of us would have said he was a central midfielder when we signed him, and that's effectively where he's playing. So you know, it's taken a bit of time. Um, you see flashes here and there of really good stuff he does. He does like a pass with the outside of his boot. Um, he almost put was it Tony through? I think just before he came off, just before he was substituted off, it didn't, it didn't quite come off. Um, but he's you know, he's I think he's slowly getting there personally. Tarek Fosu. Now talk to me about Tarek Fosu because he's a player who was signed almost as a bit of a kind of extra 
you know, from Oxford, you know, when we got Baptiste in and then Fossu came as part of it. Fossu was like 700,000, something like that. Baptiste cost, you know, you know, a couple of million or whatever. I can't remember the figures at the moment, but around about a couple of million, I think, Baptiste was. And Baptiste was the main man. Unfortunately, like I said to you, Baptiste is injured. He's injured. I think he got injured in pre-season training. And I'm not sure if he's going to be back before the end of the season, unfortunately. Um, and then we had Fossu, who, you know, was almost like a bit of a kind of, let's just see how it goes with him. You know, he started off and it was a bit touch and go with Fosu. Then he went off and he played his first game, uh, or he played that game for Ghana. I think he scored for Ghana. And then ever since he scored for Ghana, he's been absolutely party for it, hasn't he? And he's come back to Brentford and he's just gone up a couple of levels. And I thought today, I mean, I know Sergi was great and did what he did, but I thought um, Fosu was brilliant today. And I thought he caused loads of problems and he set up. Um, at least two goals. I'm not sure about the third goal, but he set up at least two goals. What he, you know, he was doing what he had to do, get down the wing, putting some great balls in, causing problems there. He 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 made uh, Alfie Wilson do the the, the the Mawson shuffle, didn't he as well? Like you know, down the right hand side. I mean, Alfie Wilson was going in for some sort of karate kind of chop thing with his foot going up, and oh no, the ball's gone over my head. Oh no, Fosu's got it. He's put the ball in goal. You know, so uh, I thought that's great. He's just causing uh, Bristol City defenders to 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 make mistakes. So that was good. I think Alfie Mawson was uh, was responsible for the second goal. For the second goal bounced off him as well, and then uh, we got the shot in as well. So Alfie Mawson, Agent Mawson, has been doing his job as well. But um, talk to me about Fosu, Will. Yeah, I I, I think he's brilliant. Um, I think Thomas Frank is going to have a very interesting selection headache when Brian and Burmo comes back from his little knock in a couple of weeks' time. Um, I think that he is excellent uh, at putting balls in. I mean, two assists today proves that. He's he's these absolute pinpoint crosses into Ivan Tony's feet. And the other thing is, for me, that a lot, if you look at a lot of his goals that he's scored, they've been strikers' goals, they've been poachers' goals. He's come in and banged them in as headers, which you really wouldn't expect normally from a winger, but he's got that element to his game as well, so I think he's brilliant. Yeah, I... I, I think we just keep we, we held him back didn't we it was almost like a coiled spring um, there was frustrations amongst some of the supporters and stuff like that but you know we, we've just released him now and he's um, and he's flying and suddenly now we've gone from having you know almost to a point where we were where people were saying Canos is struggling Fossu's not playing Bremo's struggling I reckon now we've got three players that we can li- we can just rotate them through you know so you can play they can each play on average, 60 minutes a game or whatever. Um, so every two games, they can come off for a 30-minute break. You can bring the other one on. And I don't even think it's a question of working out which are the best two. I just think you can rotate them. I can't not talk about this game without talking about a player who didn't actually play for us. Josh De Silva. Um, it was found out, um, well, I mean, the, the word was going around this morning, actually, that Josh De Silva was injured and, uh, you know... Kind of, sort of, kind of holding it down because obviously with Bristol City out there, sort of, kind of looking at, you know, trying to find an advantage. But you know, eventually the word got out that Josh De Silva was not going to be playing today, and we don't know what the situation with Josh, whether or not he's going to be, you know, whether it's just a little knock, whether it's a bigger knock, whether or not he's going to be uh, available on Saturday against Borough, whether he's going to be available next week against Reading, which is a big game. Josh De Silva, when he wasn't uh, was announced not to be playing. There's a lot of heads that went down massively about that because obviously he scored a great goal in our last match. He's a big player for us. He's been out for a while. Um, but we, we seem to cope all right without him. I mean, in the longer term, is this going to be a bit of a problem, Matt? 
Um, I, we're better with him, there's no doubt about that. He offers us something that other players, that not really anybody else does on the pitch, which is that sort of ability to take the ball at his feet and suddenly he's past two players and you just look up and he's driving forwards. And I'm not really sure any of the other midfielders have got that in him. I mean, Jan Elk does it, but it's a bit it's a, it's a, a bit more sort of a charge, a, you know, a charge and he's sort of waving his arms and, and running through, whereas De Silva's doing it and just by completely confusing um, the players, you know, the defenders he's coming up against. Um, I, I, yeah, is there anyone else that can do that at the moment? Not really. I think we're going to be we're far stronger with De Silva, and I, I think unlike where we say you know we can just rotate through the three wingers, I think it's very clear that De Silva, if, if only we could get him to play every single game, and obviously now we've got a little injury with him, and we need to protect him a bit. Probably um, we'd, we'd be stronger for it. Yeah, I agree. It's and it's 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 not just. A straight swap, you know, put it putting Godos in. You can't expect him to do the same role as as, as Josh, and 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 that that proves exactly what what the Allard's saying is that he he is one of these players at the moment who is just kind of indispensable for us. I think Marcondes is an interesting one when he comes in. He he does a, a, a again a, a different role, not not that different to, to what Josh De Silva does with these driving runs forward and, and, and these clever little cute passes into the front three. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's. I think he is pretty irreplaceable for us at the moment, and I, I think he's. I think he's probably our best player actually, mo- most weeks anyway. I think he's. I think he's the player that can make most of the difference if he starts rather than he doesn't. I think the other player would be Pinnock. Um, I think they're the real two players that are absolute key. I suppose. Well, okay, and Ivan Tony obviously. They're the ones that if you take them out, we probably are a bit weaker. I think the other players you can probably rotate around a bit. Maybe Rico Henry. In fact, maybe most of the team. Indeed, indeed. So listen, as you know, we're a podcast, but we like a little bit of numbers. We like a little bit of stats. But it's all gone a little bit topsy-turvy now because we've got our regular stats guy, Will the Spreadsheet Winker. He's here on the podcast with us and it's very good to have him. However, we've gone up one, not two, not three. We've gone up four levels because we've got the Don, the Don of Stats on the line. We're going to go over to Liberal Nick, the Spreadsheet Winker, because he is going to tell us what went down in the Bristol City game. In a quite amazing turn of events, you've got me, Liberal Nick, giving you a rundown of the Brentford versus Bristol City game. In terms of XG, B's created 1.87, while Bristol created 1.35. Who'd have guessed that, eh? The three biggest chances for the Bees were the three goals we scored. First was one that came from Canos, which was the 27th minute effort created by Fosu Cross and palmed away from Ivan Tony by XB Dan Bentley. This was a 41% chance. Second was Ivan Tony in a 39% chance, again off a pinpoint cross from Fosu in the 50th minute. And the third and final Bees goal came from Godos, which was a brilliant second time hit after his first shot cannon off the post. He managed to hook the ball from behind him on his weaker foot too. This was a 48% chance. Amazing, eh? The biggest chances for the Robins were their two goals. They failed to register any other attempts above 5%. The first goal for the Robins was scored by Viner in the third minute off a corner poorly defended by the Bees. That was a 56% chance. And the second came from Wells in the 90th minute in a dubious offside decision and a switched-off end-game defending from the Bees. This was a 60% chance. 
So one of the key points about this game, though, was how it is in the second game running, Brentford have conceded from identical set piece. It's something that Thomas Frank and the coaching staff should really consider and deal with. Other than that, though, those stats, fascinating, eh? Hope you've enjoyed the game. Hope you've enjoyed this segment from me. And back to you, Bill. And the winker, your job safe. So there you have it. Liberal Nick, the spreadsheet winker. And little did you know that that guy knows all about stats. I mean, he, he comes out with all this kind of kerfuffle about XG this and it's only about scoring goals and you don't know what you, I'm not interested in all this, you know, highfalutin mathematics in football. But really, he's been sitting down there programming Python and all sorts and coming out with all sorts of charts and he surprised us and tell you something, Nick. That was some interesting statistical knowledge that you gave us there. The Winker, what do you think of that? It must be the Dartmoor air. It must be something in that, in, in that Dartmoor air that just gives him the edge over me. I can't compete, Bill. I can't compete. <laughs> That's right. But listen, I mean, just talking about that game, I mean, we'll come back to stats in a minute, but, but you know, Brentford, what we were good at, we created a number of chances, uh, a high number of chances relative to our possession. We were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from the flanks as well, and we were strong at finishing. I mean, we were bad boys, you know. Bristol City, they're affecting goal-scoring opportunities through individual skill, you know, uh, goal-scoring opportunities from set pieces, and they were also strong at finishing. You know, what we did, and we know this as well, and this is a bit of a problem, we give away free kicks around the edge of the box. And uh, so did they. So it's almost like we were kind of slightly equal in the way that we were playing. But as you were saying, we were a little bit more clinical. But I mean, on the statistical front, I mean, you tell me, just talk us through that, Will. We, we, we created definitely enough to win, to win this game. And, and we were, I mean, Bristol, Bristol only, had, had, only had two chances above 5%. So we, we were defensively OK. The fact that we have now conceded to, from two games running from essentially the same corner or free kick routine it throw three games running that that that's that's really well i don't know if it's worrying but it's certainly frustrating as, as fans for us to see the same goal go in uh, in three consecutive games um and i, I mean especially give, giving up those two big chances a 60 percent chance at the end and a 50 56 percent chance at the beginning um most games we will concede one, but in this game we managed to score three. So I suppose that that's the that's the way it, it goes for this game. I, it's interesting, isn't it? Us, um, you know, that those free kick goals is that um, I don't know. Did, did I think even maybe the fake liberal said it was a corner? But um, sorry, not the fake liberal. The fake winker said it was a corner. But anyway, the free the free kicks. Um, I, I wonder why we're susceptible to that. I, I was sort of watching us defend it, and we seem to sort of just literally have a line of defenders with maybe a, a set sort of um, amount of space in between each one, and then we just say, based on their height and stuff like that, and probably the order they stand in, that we should be able to win any ball that gets put into our box, and that doesn't seem to be working at the moment. I don't know how unorthodox that is and sort of how many other teams do that or whether I'm just seeing it wrong, but we certainly don't seem to go man for man or anything like that. No, I think I think it's a zonal system at the moment. I, there's, there's a couple of things. I think at the moment, at, well, something that I've noticed is that we've been playing almost an absurdly high line from free kicks, which especially if the free kicks are coming from the kind of the middle third, which either means that, well, if it goes well, either the ball goes behind all the defenders and the goalkeeper catches it, or the offside trap is sprung and all their players are offside and therefore can't get the ball. So that's that. 
when that works, it works perfectly. But at the moment, Brentford don't have a set piece coach. He was poached by Arsenal again at the start of the season. And it's, it's Thomas Frank and, and Kev O'Connor who are doing set pieces for us. So I'm not sure if that's kind of contributed to conceding more goals from set pieces over the last few games. Yeah, we seem to be scoring more. So they, they seem to be doing something right at the other end of the pitch. But but that we, I'm back at this where I was like, I think it was two or three years ago, where every time we defend a wide free kick, I'm thinking, oh, here we go, here we go. And you can actually see there's two or three of their players beyond our lineup of players. And if they just go deep, there's another problem there. Again, do you think, again, it might be personnel? Because we seem to have solved this problem um, a lot more when Pontus Janssen was, was, was on the pitch. And maybe he's a little bit more experienced so you know, and, and knows how to deal with diff- different situations. And, and maybe this is the reason why you know, we, we, we've got um, Reid, who's come in from uh, Kansas City, who, like I said, we talked about that on the podcast last week. We actually got an early shout on that one and we couldn't go too, too mad on it. So we sort of kind of teased it a little bit, put it out there. So we're very pleased to actually have given you a little bit of a sort of kind of relatively early notice on the Reid man. But like I said to you, Reid, a lot people say oh he's been around for a while I'm not sure if he's very good hasn't played very many games he played in the MLS he can't be that great but you know the positive side of things is like you said is that he's uh, he's played for a Premier League team he's won matches I think he's won promotion as well so uh, he kind of knows the game and I think maybe the reason why they've brought him in is for his experience and the fact that he actually came on today at the end because normally we, we, we wouldn't have to bring him on but the fact that we brought him on just for five minutes Seems to me to, to say that you know they're looking at playing him at some time, isn't it? Yeah, I, so, so to go back to the original point, I think um, about Pontus not playing is it is it's possible that the that the plan is is a good plan, but we're just not executing it properly, and that might be because we haven't got anybody who's who's actually telling everybody you know where where the line should be. And, and how we should, you know, exactly how we should line up to defend these set pieces. So that's possibly the point. Um, as for bringing Reed on today, yeah, I, I agree. I think we gave him five minutes just to give him a feel and a and a little run out because we are going to play him. I'm, I'm sure we're going to play him. I, when we signed him, I was a bit like, mm. but you know what? He, he, just tonight, he won he won a couple of big headers and um, and he looked he looked pretty solid to me. Looked comfortable on the ball. So yeah, just get him a, get, get him going. He seems like a classic kind of no-nonsense centre-back to me. I mean, he's, he's not anywhere near as much of a, of a kind of a baller or a passer as Mazbek Sorensen or Ethan Pinnikar. Um, he's very, very good in the air, I think. Uh, obviously, you know, we, 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 we saw that today. Uh, but he is more of this kind of classic no-nonsense centre-back for me. He needs to be able to play because, because we, we, we're not going to look at him, you know, as, as a, when we're passing the ball around at the back, we're not going to think oh yeah we can't put him in this position or that position so he, he's going to have to be able to play with the ball at his feet otherwise we, there will be problems so I, I'm hoping that he can do it <laughs> well I'd like to think uh, on the 60 or 70 grand a week wherever he's on I'd like to think that he can he can do something with his feet if not we can get him down the gym and you know, start dribbling the ball around a couple of cones or something like that and he'll, he'll get used to it in a few weeks but Bill, anyway, Bill I think Martin Keogh used to be on that sort of money and he can't play with his feet so it's not, it's not an absolute given Maybe not, but anyway. But listen, just coming back to the stats side of things, like I said to you, the liberal Nick the Winker. What a Winker. He's given us the XG, he's given us the goals, he's given us the rundown of the game. What we like to do, normally we normally do it actually, when our team's doing pretty well, is having a look to see what the statisticians think the table is going to shape up at. And as you can see, Brentford are still at the top 
of the uh, the Justice League, as they call it, you know. Based on XG, we're at the top of the table, number one. Watford, number two. Borough, number three, which is very interesting. They've crept up Borough, you know. It's going to be a tough game on, on, on Saturday. Norwich, number four. Muff Bournemouth are number five. Blackburn, six. Reading, seventh. Cardiff are eighth. So that's quite interesting. And looking at towards the end of the season... We use 5.38 for this when they do their prediction. They put it into the machine, just like what Will the Winker did as well. If you check out as well on Besotted Twitter and also Will Allsop's Twitter, he, uh, he did a little bit of an XG thing, which you'll talk about in a little bit as well, where he did a bit of programming and worked out the, um, the difference between the XG between Brentford and our opposition for each match to see who sort of kind of came out on top. But just coming back to what 5.38 have done, their table, Brentford are still top. Um, we're actually uh, they use this um, this system called the SPI, which is basically rates who are the best team, the best teams on form, and we are by far actually on the top of that on the on, on you know on, on 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 the form and the way that we're playing. And Brentford, uh, they predict to finish uh, first on eighty-seven points. We are. 78% chance of getting promotion and 42% chance of winning the championship now with Norwich uh, on 86 points they say and uh, 69% chance of promotion and 34% chance to win the championship Swansea a third 80 points and they're 39% and 11% chance to win championship and then it's Watford then Reading then Bournemouth uh, with the playoff places with Blackburn just missing out but again this is just listen this is just mathematicians putting numbers in and trying to work out based on what the teams have done how the teams are going to pan towards the end of the season and last season to be quite fair they were actually pretty spot on it's got to be said so you know there's something to be said about this back in the day as they say you have to put the ball in the back of the net you've got to win games sometimes you should win games that you that you might win games that you're not meant to and it might be the other way around so we shall see but we're in good stead at the moment now but you know there's a few things that might affect that and like I said to you we talked about Josh Silva's injury how big is that going to affect us over the season because that could be a big one for us I, I agree. I, I think I think Josh De Silva's injury, if it if it is a long term one, I, I, I'm not so sure that the club seems to suggest that he might be back in contention for for the Middlesbrough game. But I, if it is a long term injury, then I think we we do have to adapt our system and, and and play in probably a slightly different way because he is so integral to it. He's such an important player, and I think you'll probably see someone like Marcondes. When well, I mean he's injured at the moment. Whether or not he'll be coming back soon, it, it, it's when you know you, you want your Norgards and your Baptistes to be fit. It's just frustrating that we've got so many midfielders injured at the minute. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting when Norgard comes back because I, I never thought that we would play Jan out and Norgard together. But you know what? We're if 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 De Silva does struggle um, to play and um, and then you you know Marcondes is still maybe struggling with an injury. Depends, I suppose, whether Norgard comes back first. You, we could well be seeing them both starting in the game. Split. I tell you something, the, the LR. Do you a little bit perturbed because obviously we'd be sitting down there. We'd be looking at these charts. We look at these tables. We're looking how well and not well that we've been doing and other teams have not been doing. And, and 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 you picked up a little flaw in this system here, didn't you? You 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 talked about it, and you weren't happy at all. Well, all, all I was saying is that I, I I I like the XG stuff. I've been looking at Will's graphs, and um and I and to be honest, when you look at it and you add it all up, it all makes sense. We're pretty much performing to XG, maybe a little bit um a little bit under, but I think I think we're pretty much getting to being over it now. We were certainly under it earlier in the season. But what I was asking about was the Godos. So the Godos opportunity, yeah, he he does he get XG does he get XG points or do we get XG points or whatever values for both of his attempts? Because it seems well, does he? Will? 
Yeah, he does. Well, ex- explain explain what happened to the people who might not have seen. Okay, so so basically, Goddard slams. He has a good chance inside the box. Slams the ball um, against the post or the bar. It bounces back out and he scores. So my question is, when you add up all these XG numbers. Does that count as one chance or are there two chances there? So XG counts that as two chances. It it counted it in in this game as the first shot was a 4% chance, so actually comparatively quite a a difficult chance to score. And then the second one, because of the position of him and the position of the defenders around him and the position of the goalkeeper, it was a much, much higher 48% chance. So yeah, it it does count it as two. And and I get what you're saying, that if if the first one goes in, then... 0.48 0.48 xg gets taken off the Brentford total, and we actually end the game behind Bristol City on xg. It's just a, it's just one of these kind of quirks of of of, of, of model. It's never a model is never going to give you the full story, and that's why, as Bill says, it's it's so important to to marry kind of statistics with actually watching the game and thinking about things from a tactical perspective rather than just looking at spreadsheets. I'm glad you were here to explain that because I was going to have to ring the Liberal up otherwise to see if he could explain it to me. <laughs> that's right. He's already written 74 programmes from it. Like you know what I'm saying in 93 different programming languages so you know and he's right on it over there you know it's the air in, in, in the southwest country but anyway listen that's a good old chat on, on, on Bristol City game I feel I feel a lot better and I'm, I'm very glad that we've done it straight after the match now uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go for a little bit of facts and funk because JB he's potty for hat tricks and all sorts of stuff so we're going to go over to JB and let's get a bit of facts and funk Jordan Burchard here again. We may look back on the seven goals from Saturday. It sets a new record score at the new stadium in its 13th league game. Griffin Park had to wait eight years for its first score of seven. Ivan Tony also goes into the record book with the new stadium's first hat-trick. We've only scored seven goals or more in a game 14 times in our league history, which typically means we play 300 games between each. So having seen two in our last 53 is well above average. It's also the first time ever in our history that we've scored seven goals in a game having been drawing at half-time. And seeing five these goals in the second half of a league game hasn't happened for 26 years. The last time we had a home game with nine goals in it was against Hull City in 1979, which also finishes at 7-2. The only other time we've had that scoreline in our history. And although it was nine years since our last home league game against Wickham, we also scored a hat-trick in that one too, with Gary Alexander's. The previous occasion we've had back-to-back home hat-tricks against the same opponent was in February 1965 with Billy Cobbs and the following August with Mickey Blocks against a team from W12. So that was JB with a bit of funk and facts. Will the winker. You like a bit of funk, don't you? I do like a bit of funk. Yeah, I was I was actually a bass player in a funk band at one point. So yeah, I do like I don't mind a bit of funk myself. What, what is your what is your number one funk? Number one funk track. Oh okay. god, wow. I mean, it's probably got to be something by something by Cool and the Gang, isn't it? Pe- 
Peter, Peter Gillum playlist at the end of every 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 yeah, Bees yeah. game's got to be in there. You don't go for a bit of funkadelic, Absolutely. no? A bit of funkadelic, yeah. P funk, yeah, that's good stuff. Good, that's good. So anyway, listen, that was JB, and like I said to you, he likes a bit of hat trick action. Listen, JB, we're going to be <laughs> we're going to be dabbling around. We might even get JB in the studio at one stage as well, you know, to get him to come down and, uh, and let us know what's going down. You know, he could throw all sorts of uh, the left field facts at us. Maybe we might get him in for a quiz or something like that we get absolutely no answers right whatsoever but anyway look listen tell you what actually it's interesting because the Allard was talking a bit earlier and it's almost like he was he was morphing two players together he had Martin Rowlands and and was it and, and, and was it Keogh Richard Keogh Martin Keogh, Richard Keogh and Martin Rowlands no, together did, like, did I know? say Martin Keogh <laughs> oh, so yeah, I, I, I meant Richard. Obviously, I meant Richard Keogh, um, but I, I obviously, I, it, yeah, I did. I did mean Richard Keogh, but there's also, but I, I, sometimes I get mixed up with Martin Keogh um, because basically neither of them could play, could they, with, with the ball at their feet, if you know what I mean. Well, Richard still can't. Richard's gone to Huddersfield, hasn't he? So we, we could be seeing him soon. We could be, actually, which could be quite... Uh could be quite interesting, you know. Uh, that's if they play him, but, you know, but, yeah, that should be quite interesting. But, um... You know, forget about Huddersfield because I mean Huddersfield are actually been you know, again we could talk about them later, but yeah, they're one of those sides who they've been playing quite well at one week and then not so well the other weeks. But who we are playing on Saturday, we are going to talk about the borough because on Saturday we're going up to Borough, and Borough are quite a different team to what they were last season. They've got the Warnock in charge, and the Warnocks got them playing some decent football. They're very organised. They were winning some games. It's all gone a little bit topsy-turvy for them, but still, they're doing all right. Tell you what, I know about Borough. You guys know about Borough. But let's go up to Borough to ask somebody who knows everything about Borough. We've got Tom from the Borough Breakdown podcast. He's going to let us know what's going down in Borough. Hi, I'm Tom from the Borough Breakdown podcast. I've been a Borough fan for 28 years this Friday and if any of you Brentford fans have been up to the Riverside I may have sold you a copy of our fanzine Fly Me to the Moon at some point around the ground. I think Neil Warnock deserves most of the credit for the turnaround this season. Since he came in at the end of last season he seemed to give the team a newfound belief in themselves and he's built on that this year by making us more structured and bringing some key summer signings for the spine of the team. Recently, we've suffered a bit of a dip in form. Uh, we've had three home losses on the spin, albeit one stemmed from a very controversial refereeing decision I'm sure you guys heard about. Uh, but we haven't played particularly well in any of those games. It's been a far cry from some of our performances in December, uh, such as beating Millwall 3-0 at home and Birmingham 4-1 away from home where we did play some good football at times. I think on Saturday the key tactic for us is going to be staying organised as we were at the Brentford Community Stadium. I'm expecting to see a similar setup to what we saw last weekend against Norwich where we essentially set out to nullify the attacking threat and hit on the counter-attack if we got chance. However, even though I'd expect to see that, it's not really the type of football we've been playing. Um, it is the type of football you'd think of when you hear Neil Warnock mentioned, but it's not what we've seen this season. We've looked to play it on the floor a lot, 
more often than not this season with some occasional long balls out from the back at times um, and we'd only expect the team to kind of keep building on this going forward with the acquisitions of Nathaniel Mendes Lang, uh, Yannick Balassi and Iskans Cabano. Serious threats from the wings which is what the team's been missing up to now. Uh, we discussed this on our podcast this week and we all agree it's an improvement to the squad on paper. We have mixed opinions on if we should raise our expectations now, um, but we all agree that there's around six teams that could potentially take the last two playoff spots, including us, and nobody wants to see, uh, seems to want to take them at the moment, so it is a possibility. Personally, I'm looking forward to seeing the impact that Yannick Balassi will have for us in the running. Uh, Cabano and Mendes Lang are great signings too. However, I think even though he wasn't match fit against Norwich, uh, we did see some glimpses of the experience Balassi has, which can only help benefit our team. And I think once he is up to speed, combined with that experience, it should make for a good impact. I do think this is the, the closest we've got to an Itar Karanka Borough team for a long time. Uh, although there are distinct differences in style, uh, with Warnock's team pressing more in comparison to Karanka's team holding position a lot more and being a lot uh, really well organised. And Warnock's team tends to try and play quickly and tries to benefit from getting, getting crosses into the box, uh, as opposed to Karanka's patient passing possession approach. The similarities are more clear in increased defensive solidarity uh, compared to, especially to what we saw last season um, and in an increase in team cohesion which we didn't really see under Woodgate, Pulis or Monk. I think he, although I've uh, mentioned how we've looked more solid defensively this season, we haven't in the last nine games uh, where we've only kept one clean sheet. I think what we need to do now moving forward is start keeping these con uh, clean sheets again and focus on consistency with our results. If we can do that uh, after a pretty bad January, then we should be on course for a good finish at the end of the season. I'm not just saying this because it's a Brentford podcast, but uh, Brentford have always been impressive to me over the last uh, few seasons. They're always an enjoyable team to watch as a neutral. Um, but aside from Brentford, I've been quite impressed with Luton uh, in their second season in the, the Championship. We've beat them so far 1-0 at Riverside um, back in December, I believe it was, but it was a very, very tough game. There's a lot of quality in the Brentford team, but I think the the danger man for us is probably Ivan Tony. His confidence will no doubt be high after scoring hat-trick last weekend, so it's, it's on our centre-backs to try and contain him this week. Uh, Sergi Canos is also one I think we need to look out for. Uh, he seems to get better every time I see him play. For a score prediction this week, I'm going to go with the same prediction as one I made on our podcast and say nil-nil. I wouldn't be surprised to see Borough line up with a similar game plan to what we saw against Norwich uh, last Saturday. So that was Tom from the Borough Breakdown podcast. And it's Warnock, like I said to you, he's a bit of a, let's say a nemesis for us. We, we don't necessarily like playing against him. We say this every time because we do struggle against Warnock sides. But if anything, maybe this may be a little bit of an advantage because this isn't 
yes, this is a walnut side, but this is not a, a typical, typical, typical walnut side. And, uh, and maybe that might be the light at the end of the tunnel for us. I mean, they've gone a little bit potty, Borough, and they've, they've gone into the transfer window and they've brought all sorts of players or in, in this transfer window. So they're definitely going for it. They're definitely saying, look, we can see ourselves. If we can go for a bit of a push, we can strengthen. We can actually get ourselves into the playoffs. And, uh, and a few of the players that they bought in, in that window, actually, are, I thought quite impressive. So for me, this game is a game that we definitely need to be on our guard, on our A game. Uh, and for me, I'll be very happy if we just don't. I keep saying this week, we, we just don't lose it. You know, if we can get a point out of Borough and come away from Borough with a point, I'll be very, very happy. Just keeping our heads above the water. What did he say? Nil nil, did he? Was it? That's <laughs> right. He said nil all, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, to, to be you honest, know. maybe that isn't a bad result, you know, this, this week, weekend. I mean, to, it might be just good if we get out of the game you know with players not getting injured and stuff like that I mean it's a it's always it's going to be a battle in it it's going to be physical it always is um I I I guess Middlesbrough though at the moment are a bit all over the place we we saw them in the FA Cup and it, it they didn't seem as sort of you know as stern as they do normally they seemed a bit more flawed but obviously he brought players in and, and swapped players around and stuff like that just like we did um, so maybe this is an opportunity to get out of Warnock side. Um, we get Warnock all the time, though, don't we? So it's maybe nil-nil is a good result. Just looking at their characteristics, what they are good at and maybe a little bit weak at. Let, c- c- let's make a prediction on what they're good at. They're good at organising. Yep. Are they good at set pieces? Yeah. Yep. Yes, that's they right. Be, yep. Yep. Go are on. They, um, are they, they're, good at, they're good at defending. Ooh, yep. Yeah, well, defending set pieces. Yep. They're good at defending yep. set pieces, yeah. And their, weak, and their weaknesses are creating anything worthwhile that isn't... That passing. Isn't, yeah, yeah. Passing is a weakness. I'm sure passing <laughs> is a big weakness. Um, and creating worthwhile chances that aren't from set pieces. Is that their weaknesses? Keeping possession of the ball is a weakness. <laughs> defending counter-attacks is a weakness. And also avoiding offside, very weak as well. But where they're very good at is on counter-attacking, which is, again, which is, like I said to you, which is, uh, you know, which is their game. It's like the defensive game, then bang, they'll hit you on the counter-attack. And like I said, they've got some good players, some interesting players on that. Attacking set pieces, creating scoring chances, they're very strong at, and also stealing the ball from the opposition. They're very strong, and like I said to you, defending set pieces. They control the ball in our half. That's what they're going to do. They're going to cross loads. They're going to take loads of shots. They're going to play really wide. They're going to play a lot down the left. They're going to play a lot of long balls. And uh, people try to give them a good kick in when they play against them. And uh, I don't know if that's necessarily the way to, to combat them. But I don't think that's going to be the bees way because we, we've tried to be hard. But we're, we're, not very, we're not very hard, really, are we? Well, I mean, look, I mean, looking at that, how do you think we're going to approach this game, Will? I think I think I don't, I don't think the Brentford approach will change. I think we will we will still try and play from the back. I think we'll we'll, we'll try and spring counter attacks on them and, and and pass quickly through. We'll probably have lots of crosses and cutbacks from whoever's playing on the wings. Lots of rotation from the front three, like usual, which I think the Borough back four will struggle with. Um, yeah, they 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 they've act, they've been all right this season. They've been an interesting team. They're, I mean, they they're currently. They're currently sixth or seventh, aren't they? I think sort of on the edge of the playoffs, and and they've they performed pretty well. If you, I mean, if looking at looking at the xG, they've they they didn't deserve to lose three 0 the other week against Rotherham. That that was a, a complete freak result. If 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 you look at the the actual performances, um, so yeah, I think I think it's going to be an interesting game, and obviously like. 
I hate playing against Warnock sides. He he is my least favourite manager by a long, long way to play against. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting one. I, the good the good news is you don't actually have to That's play against. That's very true. Yeah. All <laughs> it's interesting because they're obviously very different from last season. Last season they had Jonathan Woodgate. Uh, and would get and this and they stuck with him and they stuck with him and they stuck with him and they kept on sticking with him and they, I mean they started off quite well, well, well relatively well for the season and it sort of seemed to go relatively downhill and then whether or not he lost the dressing room or just lost the plot or lost something they did it and they had to get rid of him and they're very different this season because you can see them there they've got a lot more kind of uh, well they're definitely more organised but also you can see that you know they, they they've got they've got a bit more of a plan about them now the Allard you were sort of saying. You know, you were talking about that too because it's, there's pretty much the same players except for the ones that have been bought in that Woodgate had last year. And, and, you, and you're saying that um, maybe the players just didn't suit the style of football that he wanted to play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, because, because it was, uh, I mean, who was there before? Pulis was there before Woodgate. <laughs> and then who was there before that? Was it Karanka before it, that? Karanka? Yeah, I mean, the, these. Or was, it, or was it Gary Monk? Maybe Gary Monk had a little spell. But my point is, is that you know Woodgate inherited a side that was built to play a certain way. Um, Warnock, you would imagine, would do a better job of inheriting that side than Woodgate. That's assuming that Woodgate wants to play football, and it appeared he did. I mean, certainly early on at Borough, I, I seem to remember their fans sort of saying that you know they were a bit concerned because they were trying to pass amongst the back four and stuff like that, and um, that, that that concerned them. I don't think you know. I, so, so I would say that probably Woodgate had the wrong type of player there to do what he was trying to do um, and obviously Warnock has probably got the right type of player there to do what he wants to do it, it, it's, it's, it's a bit of a generalisation but and, and, and I know I've made it really simple and I and, and I do sort of you know I, I know I can be a bit sort of you know I'm, I don't mean to say this you know looking down at Borough because to be honest when we come up against Warnock sides we normally come out you know, we're normally worse off coming out of those games. We come a cropper, so I'm not belittling them or anything like that. It's just, it's just a different style of football. That's what I'm talking about. Talking about Woodgate, um, he's he's playing a bit of a blinder, isn't he? Because <laughs> he he's, he's gone down to Bournemouth, right? A bit of holiday. He's popped up there, and a couple of weeks later, uh, the manager is out on his ear. And uh, I mean, I don't know who they're going to get in at Bournemouth, but I think Woodgate. It, it almost looks like a little bit of a coup, it, doesn't it? It, it? it does look like a bit of a coup. I mean, it could work the other way, of course. It could, they, could, they could have a new manager next week who wants to clear the decks and bring all his own staff in and then he's out of a job. But but it looks more like a coup at the moment. <laughs> it does. So uh, Woodgate managing Bournemouth. And would that, would that worry you? Um, I, I, I think it's difficult to say because it, it would be a completely different set of players. Um, and we may find out a bit more about what Jonathan Woodgate is as a football manager. Um, you know, so who knows? Who knows? But anyway, so coming back to the Borough game. So, like I said to you, Brentford going up to Borough at the weekend. We know what they're about. We're a little bit nervous about them. Personally, I'm looking for a draw. You guys just say we do what we're going to do. Let me just go around the table and see what you think the score prediction is going to be. The Allard. Oh, I'll go with the nil-nil. I'm happy for that. <laughs> Uh, we'll I'll go two one Bs. I'll go two one Bs. I, re- I reckon we got a couple of goals in us, but I reckon we'll probably concede, probably from another bloody set piece. And I'm going to go. I'm going to one nil. Actually, I'm going to just going to try and see if I can keep it tight. I, I, I wanted to go nil all, but because I'd love to have a draw. But I was thinking, listen, we might eke this one out and get the point and, and keep pushing. Uh, well, push, pushing Norwich at the top because that's really what we want, isn't it? So, but anyway, listen, 
This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. What I want to say, actually, just before we go, because it's very important to give props to, like I said to you, to all our, uh, our people out there who have been giving us support, like I said to you, the Kofi Besotted dot com forward slash beer and it's enabled us to uh, like i said to buy more equipment if you hear the sound is really lovely because I've, I've got my lovely microphone in front of me here as well now we've got all sorts of characters and different microphones so like i said to you the sound is coming out from our podcast it should sound much more beautiful and uh, like i said to you we all uh, just keep on investing and getting more bits and pieces over time things that we need to do so thank you very much for your support just going to have to just run down a few shout outs chris Reed, who said excellent work keep going thanks chris big up to you and uh, get your beer bits of beer and robert king <laughs> on the money with winston green i'm sorry on the money with winston reed good detective work of course there you know you've got the older you know got the old sherlock holmes out there last week on the old detective work on the reedy madraka b as well respect to you thank you very much as well tabissimo yes indeed we should try and get tabissimo in goal actually maybe you should get him on the bench love you lot heart goes out to club shop Anne and the Waterman. get well soon uh, hopefully this is enough for the whole crew to get a swift half <laughs> we need more he goes we need more gimmicks he just loves the gimmicks the old tabissimo so listen respect to you thanks very much there simon cheers and thank you for the outstanding podcast it's one the highlights of the week jack as well respect to you as well jack thank you very much and kieran sill kieran sill love the podcast guys keep up the good work so listen thank you very much all for your support this has been absolutely brilliant i'm very happy we've been bristol city and so uh, we're all happy here. I see you're all smiling. It's lovely to get people smiling here. It's midnight or something like that. Ridiculous, but we're still going. But anyway, this is great. My name is Billy Grant. I'm here in the virtual joint with the Art. Go on, you bees. And I've got Will, the spreadsheet winger. Come on, you bees. And listen, as we say, we're going to Borough on Saturday. We need to get a big result. As we say, come on, come on you bees. You bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.